0: Up, y'all. You're listening to the Extra Point College Football Podcast. I'm your host, Jacob Carnes, joined as always by my co-host Daniel Hammock. Daniel week nine was loaded. A lot of good games on Saturday, a couple more games as candidates for game of the year. So another fun Saturday, and a great Saturday for us because it ended with the Atlanta Braves going up 3-1 in the World Series, and we're recording this at it is 254 on Sunday. Game five tonight. The Braves have a chance to clinch at home. So well, it's big bright Sunday behind me,
1: y'all. You know, you can't, <laughs> you know, you might have trouble seeing my face. I'm gonna stand very still. So I can, you know, cause the light behind me, we're normally recording at night, so usually not an issue, but hey. I had to adjust because the Braves. we're doing it. We're doing it. We we weren't going to run up against the Braves. (laughs) Yeah. As our pastor called for prayer and fasting throughout the day. So the Braves can take home the W.
0: You know, let's, let's start here, Daniel. The Braves are in the world series and for fans of the Braves, uh, a lot of them in our state are also fans of the Georgia Bulldogs. Right. And the Braves have a chance to, you know, the, there, is there a curse on Atlanta sports on Georgia sports? There might be, and the Braves have a chance to break that curse. And at the same time, uh, the Georgia Bulldogs are eight and zero, and they're coming off of a, a big win over their rival Florida—a great a struggle, day, twenty-seven point win. <laughs> and that's what—that's where I, I kind of wanted to go with it, right? Is I mean, what a great day for fans of both teams, right? Got to be exciting, uh, Georgia had their worst offensive performance of the season so far and they won by 27 points. Not only did they win by 27 points, they scored 34. Like again, this wasn't an offensive struggle where you scored 17, you scored 34 and an offense that ranked top five in every metric like SP plus being the one that a lot of people look to is, you know, the advanced metric ranking, uh, a top five offense in SP plus you hold the seven points and those seven points actually came in garbage time. So if you adjust for garbage time, Georgia held this team scoreless, but they gave up seven. I mean, Daniel, I feel like a lot of people are talking about Georgia and this defense being historic and this team being special. If you haven't acknowledged it by now, it's time to acknowledge just how special this team is, just how special this defense is. And as a college football fan, Turn on this defense on Saturdays because, man, it's fun to watch.
1: Yeah, it's it's odd to say because you know most people it's they're they're tuning in for the offense. Um, you know, we think about defensive matchups. I think about what they call it—the game of the century with LSU and Alabama. LSU, 29 like to six or whatever. Yep. Yeah, yeah. And then obviously they rematched in the in the national championship that year. But in that game, I remember thinking. I just love this. I love watching, you know, two great defenses. Now you look back, LSU may have also been inept on offense at that time too. But <laughs> maybe you know, you know, just just something to keep in mind. Put a you know bookmark there. But, um, th- yeah, this Georgia defense is just they they do it in an exciting way. So, this game Georgia actually gave up several yards um, as far as you know, they actually were outgained in the game uh, by one yard. Um, You know Dan Mullen. This offense, they they had some success um, getting first downs um, and moving the ball a little bit. And really, I think honestly, it helped the field position overall um, as a whole. Now they've had there was some issues with field position, like after uh, Stetson Bennett threw an interception and the Florida player decides to bring it out of the end zone, gets tackled on the two. That ultimately led to a sequence of plays that. You know, really completely turned this game on its head um, because that's one thing with these these games with against Georgia or these historic, you know, Alabama teams of the past where you know Barton Simmons coined the phrase the boa constrictor. Um, they just squeeze the life out of you, and so it's like kind of slow playing the whole the whole game, and then it just kind of when it breaks, it breaks, and it was like. Um, Nolan Smith ripped the ball out on a play where they were running quarterback power with Anthony Richardson. He had a first down, and he's just running through guys. And because of the new, um, because of the new forward progress rule, um, where you can continue to push, that was one that it actually benefited Georgia because it gave them time to strip the ball out. You know, Nolan Smith gets the ball like next play or two. I think it was two plays. Georgia scores. You know, ensuing kickoff, the or ensuing, you know, possession, Florida throws an interception to Nolan Smith. It gets tipped to him. Georgia scores there and then <laughs> a pick six. So you go from three to nothing and in two minutes, 24 to nothing. Um, that was just an extreme, you know, turn of events um, led on by, I think, extreme pressure that Florida was under to just give their best shot against Georgia and then also, yeah, you know, they finally got started the quarterback that all Florida fans have been asking for. And you and I have even said, Hey, when are you going to play Anthony Richardson? He's clearly the high upside guy. He played, he showed that he's got a lot of skill, but you know, some of those uh, freshman mistakes kind of caught up to him.
0: I kind of said, I, I realized before the game may like number one, he's a better quarterback, but is this really where he deserves his first shot is against this defense. And that's what kind of worried me was maybe you go with the guy with more experience against the Georgia defense, because that's a heck of a first test is against yeah. this defense. I kind of feel bad for him. Um, now I was about to pull a stat for you. Oh yeah. Total yards. You mentioned the so total yeah. yards, the outgained Georgia by a yard. Florida ran 22 more plays than Georgia did. So like yards for play is what's impressive. Like, Georgia hailed a team that averaged seven point four yards per play coming into this game to four and a half yards per play. Like it's again, everyone wonder what, what you know what's going to happen with this defense when they play an elite offense. Like they haven't played a lot of elite offenses yet. Florida's an elite offense. They're an elite rushing offense, and they yeah they got one hundred and sixty one rushing yards. A lot of this came in the fourth quarter, um, but this defense continues to show that they're they're the best. I think they're the best offensive or defensive unit in the country. They're just the single best unit in the country uh, by a lot. And so this defense is historic. This defense is special. And to do it against modern offenses, I think, is, is pretty special. So Georgia, number one. They'll be number one on Tuesday, which we'll talk about here in a minute. Let's go to the Big Ten, Daniel. This was a classic game. Michigan State, Michigan. Dude. I mean, cold, rainy, gray skies. Overcast, yeah, perfect. I mean, two smash-mouth offenses. Now, get uh, Michigan State's been a little bit more explosive. We talked about go- going into the game. You and I both laid the points to Michigan. I-, I still can't believe Michigan State came back, to be honest with you. I mean, to be up 16 in the third quarter, I mean, I didn't think that was possible given the style of play these teams play. Credit to Michigan State. This is a team that I think both deserves and will be in the top four on Tuesday night. Mm-hmm. And I mean, they put their butts off cats off to Mel Tucker. I think Kenneth Walker stamped his ticket to New York. Yeah. I don't know if he's going to win it, but I mean, he'll oh, be going. there now at this point. Yeah. He's going, he had his Heisman game. I mean, five touchdowns that I mean, every touchdown he scored <laughs> for Michigan state, but uh, I want to let you talk about Michigan state. I do want to end on though. I, Am I more impressed with Michigan after this game? Yes, I am more impressed with Michigan after the loss.
1: <laughs> yeah, cuz you didn't know Michigan win this type, type of or can play this type of game where they're scoring back and forth and they have a, a they have to kind of go score for score with somebody. They did a good job there. Um, so you and I go through and we we give our our long plea saying that we think Michigan's going to win. They're just a the better team. This was the toughest one for me to have a beat on when I watched college game day that morning and they interviewed Mel Tucker immediately after that, I was like, I picked the wrong team. I think Tucker has this team ready to go. He's just, he's just that kind of guy. Like um, he's just, you know, Trevor Moad, uh, it takes what it takes. The book he wrote, uh, he recently just passed away. He's been a motivational speaker and just a, um, a mental coach um, that a lot of these schools have hired Trevor Moad. He, um, so he's done a lot of that kind of stuff. What one of the main things he talks about is the aggregate of marginal gains. Um, and that's just talking about everybody getting a little bit better and it leads to the team getting a lot, a lot better as a whole. And when I saw Mel Tucker mention that multiple times, I was like, yeah, this team's just got the right mindset going into games like this. He already beat Michigan last year. He's not losing again. Like they're going to beat him again. So I told, I told my wife, Katie, she was doing – we have picks on the other side that we do. I mean, I feel like I do picks all, all day. That's all I'm doing is picks.
0: We got a lot of picks
1: going Yeah, on. we got a lot of picks going on. <laughs> Anyways, these picks we were doing, she hadn't done them yet. It was before noon. I was like, hey, you want to go ahead and do your picks? And then she said, hey, what did you end up picking on this game? I said, well, I picked Michigan. But I tell you what, I would not pick them now. And she said, give me Michigan State. So she got the pick right because um, she knew what she was doing uh, of course I influenced that but Jacob if I told you that Peyton Thorne to win this game I thought you're gonna need a big day out of Peyton Thorne quarterback of Michigan State I was like there's no way they're getting out of here with him having a subpar day or an average day Kenneth Walker's good but you gotta be balanced if I told you that he threw for 196 yards and two picks zero touchdowns you think they're coming away with this win if I told you that beforehand no and
0: <laughs> this is why I walk away more impressed Michigan. Like Michigan State's better; they beat them on the field. That's that. I'm impressed with the win. Kenneth Walker five touchdowns, incredible. And uh, and uh, I watched the game right, so I know right. how it played out. But I'm looking at the box score and going, "How did Michigan lose this game?" <laughs> and I'm looking at the drive chart, and I mean, here it is. Like now, Michigan State in the, in the second half, they you know Michigan got all their scores in the first half and then uh, they scored their first possession of the second half, Michigan did. Michigan State gets two quick touchdowns. I say quick touchdowns because they scored in two minutes. But they scored in two and a half minutes on nine play drives, on both drives. Pretty impressive. Um, crazy. And then, I mean, Michigan's last three three drives, or four drives, I'll say, fumble, excuse me, field goal, fumble, turnover on downs, interception. When they kicked that field goal late instead of going for it, on the Michigan State 18, mm. I was like, field goals don't win football games. And it came, ba- it came back to bite them. But, again, why do I walk away more impressive Michigan? I wondered. Michigan State has an identity. We said that going into the game. They've had an identity all season. This is a team that averaged 240 rushing yards a game. What happens if someone takes that away from you? Because they have been pretty one-dimensional, one-dimensional to this point. They've passed when they need to. They've been efficiently passing when they need to. They run for 146 yards. They throw for 406. They threw for 406 yards. Cade McNamara threw for 383 yards, two touchdowns. J.J. McCarthy threw a touchdown in this game. They played both quarterbacks effectively. Yeah, Like, they threw for 406 yards and lost the game. If you had told me going in, Michigan's going to throw for 406 yards, I'm like, oh, shoot. Like, they won by 10 or 20. Like, if, if they're going to throw for that many with this kind of team, yeah. I, so, hey, credit to Michigan State because I'm still scratching my head looking at this box score. <laughs> like, it, it's still blowing me away. And I watched the game. Oh, that was goodness. Amazing. amazing. Great game. A great candidate for game of the year. Uh, Daniel, stay in the Big Ten. Ohio State 33, Penn State 24, another ranked matchup this day. Um, hey, Credit to Penn State. I don't know if they just didn't game plan for, for <laughs> Illinois last week, because they sure as heck came prepared to play Ohio State this week. To hold Ohio State to 33 points, I think, is incredible <laughs> by any team, because uh, this is an offense that is really efficient when it's clicking. TJ Stroud again. I mean, he threw for 300 yards. Trayvon Henderson ran for a buck 52. But did Ohio State like they struggled in the red area and? I think Penn State has a really good defense, so I think that plays into it. Bottom line is Penn State didn't score enough to keep up up with Ohio State, and when Sean Clifford throws the ball 52 times, I just don't think that's how Penn State wins football games. (laughs) What were your biggest takeaways from this game, Daniel?
1: Yeah, I just, like, I think that Ohio State, they did good because this is the type of game under Urban Meyer that they would have lost. So they would have lost this game Um, but Ryan Day, I think, is very much – I just just trust him as a coach as far as his composure. Like, he realizes it's not their best game. He kind of reels it in, and they give the ball to Travion Henderson 28 times. Like, I think that there's something to be said about getting out with a dub, you know? They knew that they did the wrong thing by wearing the all-red jerseys. Jacob, you said it on Twitter – They'd they, have been up they, twenty-one nothing. They would have won by thirty <laughs> points if they wore their their regular, their regular home, jersey. home jersey. So, <laughs> but they wore the all reds. So he knew they messed up. And he said, "Look, we got to get out of Dodge. Look, CJ I should Showed have taken State plus the points. <laughs> That's all. That's dumb me. He threw for three hundred yards. He only threw one <laughs> touchdown. It just wasn't to you know meant to be as far as him just really having the production there. Um, but Trayvon Henderson, I think, you know." you're only looking at five yards of carry because he had 150 yards or so. Um, So that's something to keep in mind. You know, it's like, it's not something spectacular like, you know, Oh, they had an eight yard carry game or a 10 yard carry game, something crazy. He wasn't just ripping them apart. He had his good, good runs here and there, but I just think that being able to turn the ball, turn and trust a true, true freshman and hand him the ball like that, I think you're going to really see that benefit over the course of the season. You also saw a little bit more from their defense. I don't know if it was the fact that it's Penn State and their offense, and maybe they're a little more inept, or you know that that Sean Clifford isn't quite the guy. But you know, anytime you get a defensive score, that's a big deal. But think about that: it took a defensive score for them to be able to beat Penn State by nine points. So that's something to keep in mind when you're looking at this something to kind of put just a little footnote as we go towards Tuesday when we have the rankings released um, from college football playoff committee um you know they're going to take everything into account obviously we think they're probably going to rank, rank Ohio State behind Oregon because of the the loss to Oregon and all that but as far as you know this game they're going to take some context into this like it's it's not um, – it wasn't the cleanest, easy win against the Penn State team that we really don't have, you know, definitive answer on yet. I feel like there's some weeks where they look like they're one of the best teams in the conference and other weeks where it's like a bunch of head scratching, you know, play calls or, or whatever it may be, execution.
0: Ohio State had 12 drives. And they had one three and out. So, I mean – but here's the thing, they had they kicked four field goals in the red zone, so that's where you see 33 points. And it's like, man, I'm sitting here going, they're going to score 40 at least. And there's your answer. They had one turnover on downs on the on the Penn State 13. So I mean,
1: that's that's a 40 potential 49 point game if those are touchdowns.
0: And your turnover on downs on the Penn State 13. That's a field goal. I mean, again, there, there's points there on the other side though. Penn State only had one three and out. All game. So I, I think there's still some question marks for Ohio State defensively. But, again, I, I'm looking at their schedule, and I, I'm only circling one game where I think a team has a chance to beat them. And I hate to even give any hope to this fan base because I know how this rivalry has gone. But, again, I say, I walk away from the Michigan State-Michigan game feeling more confident that Michigan has a shot against Ohio State than I did going into the game. That's all I'm going to say. <laughs> that this could be a more. fun year. Okay. We're hey. going to get it in four weeks. If Jim Harbaugh beats, whew, we can't get there yet. Happy Thanksgiving. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Uh, last game I wanted to talk about, Daniel, uh, the other ranked on ranked matchup. Auburn and Ole Miss. This was on our picks. You and I were on opposite sides here. You know, I, I joked with, you know, we're all talking about 11 to 1 Ole Miss, and no one's really giving any, any attention to 10 to 2 Auburn. And man, Auburn has turned the corner. This is not the same team that started the season. I did not give nearly enough credit to what Brian Harshen could potentially do uh, with, with Auburn this season. I think he made some really good staff fires that have that have led to these results. Like the fact that Bo Nix is a different quarterback. I mean, this is the best version of Bo Nix that we've seen. He played a get really well again this week. They're using his legs to his advantage. It's not frantic like it was early in the season, like against the LSU game, I think, where it was just like some miracle plays. They're using some bootlegs really, really well. Uh, I mean, 22 of 30 for 276. He's not putting up Ohio State numbers, but it's efficient. And that's all it has to be when you've got Tank Bigsby in your backfield. (laughs) Like This offense is efficient. Both offenses kind of stalled late in the second half of this game. But on their first five possessions, they scored four touchdowns, Daniel. Like that's – yeah. When you score score early and often, like the, that's you're going to be successful. And they beat an Ole Miss team. They hold an Ole Miss offense that has been very explosive twenty points, uh, including the Ole Miss's last five possessions either ended in a turnover, on downs, interception, and one field goal. Like they shut Ole Miss down the second half.
1: Yeah, it's it's a, it's a part of partly you know athletic profile. Just they have more talent on their roster than Ole Miss, um, and then you know they did get uh, you know. Matt Corral came out for just a little bit, but not sure how it affected him mentally. The rest of the game, uh, him coming back in. Not that I don't think it would matter. Um, like something you said, I don't know if you just said it or if it was something we were talking about before uh, we started recording. But Auburn loses the turnover, um, the <laughs> the turnover game, and they still win by eleven. Like that's extreme. That's an extreme, you know, stat. That's something that's um, that's a real, you know, indictment on on how this game went. Obviously, Auburn playing at home is just a good, you know, a good situation for them. They're very comfortable there. Teams do not like to go play there. Um, you know, it, you've, you've really got to have a lot going for you if you're going to go in there and beat Auburn. So, um, yeah, I agree with you 100% on Bo Nicks. I think that the talent's always been there. Uh, you and I have both always said that, really. Um, but it's kind of like those first couple of years, you know, under Gus and that offense, it just kind of looked like frantic. And then the beginning of this year, I remember, I guess I expected it to change overnight, but I was like, he's still frantic running around. He's not doing, you know, what I would have hoped he was doing where he's, he's looks like more of a developed, you know, more, not necessarily finished product, but at least a product that's, you know, close to being finished, where it's getting refined, you know, that kind of, um, that kind of look to it but I, you know I think Bobo and Harson have done a great job I, I started thinking about the value of this Jacob like Bobo you know a lot of times people just credit the offensive coordinator but having a guy like Harson to to he's getting both of them he's not just getting one right so you've got two really good you know quarterback gurus really able to speak into him and really mold him and he really I mean what was it the the Georgia State game where he gets pulled? for TJ Finley. Yeah. And then they obviously bring him back for LSU and he, he was injured. He has a great, you know, <laughs> he, has, he was injured. He has a great game against LSU. They win that game, honestly played well against Georgia, uh, despite just, I mean, everybody's doing that to Georgia. they just getting ran through. And then he's been, he's been great ever since that. Obviously that Arkansas game was phenomenal. Um, and then this game was very, very good. So I just think, he has, he's, he has turned a corner. And if you get this kind of Bo Nix, I mean, like you said, they've got a two-headed monster in that backfield that can just do it. They've got a run-blocking offensive line that can just, you know, get, get guys, you know, some space to run. Shoot. Uh, the receivers are finally making plays on offense. And they've got a talented defense as far as, you know, player profile. Um, so, you know, Mason kind of doing his thing with them over the course of the, the rest of the season, I mean, this is a, you know, we actually do have to say, watch out Auburn, watch out for Auburn. And the fact that Alabama is going to have to make a trip into Jordan Hare. So where they haven't won since when Daniel, since 2015. And honestly, they lost in 2013. I know that was a kick six, but that's three of the last four trips <laughs> they've lost in Jordan Hare, which is again, not an easy place to play. So, um, no. and- Here's where it gets tough.
0: Auburn has four games left; they are six and two. All right, tell me how many games of these they win. They go to Texas A and M this week. Yeah, um, they got Mississippi State the next week. Who's playing really well? They go to South Carolina November twentieth. Then they got that game with Alabama. What's I, the record? I think,
1: so I think the Texas A and M game, especially being at Kyle Field, I think that's a very very difficult game. Um Mississippi State can we just say like I feel like I've just not thought of them for more than 10 seconds after that first game they played this year but they have been a strong tough out by anybody and Their I rank of my rankings most of the time I don't take Mike Leach seriously but you really have to throw that factor out because he is a good coach and they do have good players Um and they're still an FCC team that can beat some folks so it is what it is. They beat Kentucky this week, which was impressive. Um, I, I think that they will definitely beat South Carolina. So that's that's a win. I think the other three, if I was I was good, I would probably lean towards Alabama being a loss, and then the other two are toss ups. So a betting man, I'd say two and two. I'm a little bit more high on Auburn. Three I would one. say I think they get three and one in that three stretch.
0: and one. Oh, yeah. yeah.
1: And then you go
0: three and one, and four and zero is not off the table. So <laughs> I mentioned it. What happens when we have ten and two, Albert? Like that sugar ball, baby. <laughs> That's what happened. <laughs> would, would they not? Uh, go, they would go to the SEC championship. Would they not? The, no, you. You're right. They control their own destiny. They could win the West if they went out. They win the West if they went out.
1: Yeah.
0: I forgot about that. Yeah, they they do control their own destiny in the SEC West. Because so. the head to head would be Bama,
1: and then yeah, and go that, that, two that would be Bama's second loss. That'd be wild.
0: And AM technically controls their own destiny. In the, no, they don't. Danny need Bama to lose one more. Right. Never mind. Auburn does control their own destiny in the SEC West. Um, Daniel, the playoff rankings come out on Tuesday.
1: Give me your prediction, man. One, two, three, four. What's it going to be? Okay, so I do know that Georgia will be number one. I think that most people would would probably put that. Um, after that, it does get a little bit difficult um i'm with you i think that michigan state is in the top 4 i'm i'm trying to decide if if they're going to to give them you know a ton of credit if they're going to be like number 2 or if they're going to be number 4 and be kind of like barely hanging on there i think alabama's in the top 4 and i think i think oklahoma's in the top 4 i think oklahoma is probably number 4 i think that they probably are because they've been struggling with some teams that they probably should have put away a little easier, I think the perception is Oklahoma is doing less with more, and Michigan State's doing more with less. So I would I would say I think Michigan State's probably going to be ahead of them. Maybe let's go Georgia, Alabama, Michigan State, and then uh, just say Oklahoma. Yeah.
0: All right, I think it's going to be the same top four. Yeah, in that order. Georgia, Alabama, Michigan State, Oklahoma. I'm just looking at, like, who you've beaten. And I know that being undefeated is going to matter. Like, winning all your games matters. But uh, it depends on how you rank it. Like, Bama and Michigan State both have one win over currently ranked teams. Like, Bama has the one loss. Do you think Cincy will
1: be top six? Like, do you think that they're going to be that high, or you think they're going to drop them down maybe eight or nine?
0: I think they'll be seven. Okay. Um, I it, it depends. Here's the thing: this is what people we're talking about, and again, so, someone needs the logic of since he is ranking the top four in every AP ballot, therefore they should be ranking the top four of the college football playoff. And if they're not, then this thing biased and works against them. Here's the thing: no, no, no. no. AP are, are people. And they want the group of five to have a shot. And so they're just doing it based on where they have teams ranked. When teams lose, you drop them below and defeat teams. That's thought a- the AP has always worked. Since he has yet to be ranked in my top four, since he has yet to be ranked in my top six all season, I actually agree with Mackenzie Milton. I think this Cincy team, number one, is not as good as last year's Cincy team, nor do I think they're as good as 2017 UCF, nor do I think they're as good as 2015 Houston. Like there's been some good group of five teams that got left out for whatever reason. I think they've gotten the top four right every year, but this is not the best group of five team to ever play. Like in the College Bowl playoff era, they're not. And so the win over Notre Dame is huge. Yeah. So I think that there is a chance. There is a chance they're five or four because they do have the same amount of ranked wins. Actually, they have more ranked wins than Oklahoma does. At well. It depends on. It's so difficult. If you count from the time yeah. they played, Oklahoma has more ranked wins. Current ranked teams, Cincinnati has one. Oklahoma has zero. Like, well, but the, the argument rest of their as far schedule, as
1: if it's a you know the the is Cincinnati the best Group of Five team we've seen. I would agree. I think that especially a couple of those ECF teams, I think we're just like some of the best I've ever seen. But it's also are there four other teams that are for sure better than them this season? So that's one thing to consider. And and we're, we're not there yet. You know, that's, that's to be determined, I think, um, over the rest of the season, but I think there probably are four teams that are better than Cincinnati. Um, But that's at least more or less the question, not like, Hey, is this the best group of five team that there has been? Because I, I don't even think that,
0: so Jeff Sackard's rankings—he's a big numbers guy. You want to know where he ranks Cincinnati's strength of schedule so far?
1: Like fiftieth,
0: ninety-four. So there's your argument for, and that's the thing: all wins are not created equal. They're not like, and just just for comparison: Georgia twenty-four, Alabama eighteen, Ohio State forty-three, Oklahoma seventy. And that's, again, 24 spots ahead of Cincinnati. Like Michigan, 35. Notre Dame, 9. Oklahoma State, 29. Auburn, 27. Penn State, 11. Wisconsin, 3. Like, all these, like, their strength strength of schedule does not compare even a little bit, even though they played Notre Dame and Indiana. So, I don't think it's rigged against them. The goal is to pick the top four teams. The problem is... We've talked about this, Daniel. Good teams, when they play inferior teams, what do they do?
1: They They blow
0: them the heck out. Look at Georgia when they played Vanderbilt. 62 to nothing. Like, and again, this is where the argument for Oklahoma actually is going to come into play. Oklahoma didn't blow out Kansas. So I I think there's a chance Oregon slips in at four ahead of Oklahoma. Mm. I think there is a chance because they have that quality win against Ohio State. Like... I don't know. We'll see. I do not think Cincinnati is one of the best four teams. I do not think the committee is going to put them there, but I also don't think there's an agenda to get the group of five out. So that's where I'm at with it.
1: We'll I see. agree. We'll have
0: to see what they do. But you can follow Daniel on Twitter at Deep South Daniel. You can follow me on Twitter at Jacob Carnes with a K, and that will do it for this edition of The Extra Point. He is Daniel. I am Jacob. See you